Well, howdy, and welcome to another edition of Railfan Roberts Reading Railroad. <laughs> Chapter 13, A Startling Discovery Frank and Joe tried to crowd themselves into the smallest space possible as the men came near to their hiding place. The electric light bulb hanging from the center of the ceiling cast such a strong illumination over the cave that the boys felt certain they would be discovered. The boxes were placed a small distance apart and only the fact that folds of silk hung down over the open spaces between the boxes prevented the boys from being seen immediately. However, through a crack in one of the crates, the Hardys could just make out one out two husky-looking figures. Here's some of that Japanese silk, the boys heard one of them say. I better take a bolt of that up, too. Burke said he could please some more of it. Instantly, the same thought ran through both the brothers' minds. If the man picked up the silk, they would surely be found. Don't be crazy, the other man objected. You know you won't get any credit for pushing a sail. Why break your arm lugging all that stuff upstairs? Well, well, the first man explained in a whining tone. I thought maybe we could get rid of some more of this swag and make ourselves a little extra dough. Nah, his companion snarled. I can tell you ain't been with this gang long. You never get any thanks around here for thinking. If Burt doesn't take the extra stuff, the boss will make you bring it all the way down again. Maybe you're right. Sure I'm right. My idea for the rest of us in this gang is to do just what Snackman tells us to do and no more. You got something there, bud. Okay, we'll just take up the package of drugs and leave the rest. To the boys' relief, the men turned away and went over to the other side of the room. Frank and Joe did not dare peer out. They could hear the sound of boxes being shifted. Then came the word. Oh shit, I've got the packages. Let's go. The switch was snapped and the cave was plunged into darkness. The Hardys began to breathe normally again. The door to the corridor closed and faintly the boys could detect the man's footsteps as they ascended the stairs at the end of it. When they had died away completely, Frank switched on the flashlight. Wow he said, giving a tremendous sigh of relief. That was a close call. I'm sure they thought they had us. Me too, Joe agreed. We would have had a chance with that pair. They looked like a couple of wrestlers. Do we dare follow them? You bet. I say we solved the smuggling mystery, but we still got to find out if they're holding Dad, Joe said grimly. We'll have to watch our step even more carefully. We don't want to walk right into the whole ring of smugglers, Frank reminded him. Right. I don't crave anything worse than that. 
at what we've just gone through. I thought I'd die of suspense while that pair was in here. They crossed the room, opened the door, and started up the dark passageway. Presently, they were confronted by the flight of steps. Partway up, there was a landing, then more steps with a door at the top. I'll go first, Frank offered. Stick close behind me. I think I'll keep the flashlight off. That's right, Joe agreed. Snapman might have a guard at the top, and there's no use in advertising our presence. Step by step, the boys crept upward in the inky blackness. Then they found themselves on a crude landing of planks. Carefully, they felt their way along the side of the rock wall until they reached the next flight of steps. Here, the brothers stopped again to listen. So far, so good, Frank whispered, but somehow I don't like this whole thing. I have a feeling we're walking into a trap. Well, we can't quit now, Joe answered, but I admit I'm scared. Still groping in the dark, the boys climbed, hummed up and up until they, until they nearly widened. Where are we, Joe Painted? I feel as if I've been climbing for an hour. Me too, Frank agreed. The cliff doesn't look this high from the outside. They rested a minute, then continued their journey. Groping around, they finally reached another door. Frank hunted for the door handle. Finding it, he turned the knob ever so slightly, ready to find if the door was locked. I can open it, Frank said in Joe's ear, but we'd better wait a few minutes. Every second's vital if Dad's a prisoner, Joe objected. Frank was about to accede to his brother's urging, but both boys heard footsteps on the other side of the door. A chill ran down their spines. Should we run? Joe said fearfully. It wouldn't do us any good. Listen. There came a queer shuffling sound and a sigh from somewhere beyond the door. That was all. Someone's in there, Frank breathed. Joe nodded in the darkness. The boys did not know what to do. The gang might have posted a sentry. If there was only one, the Hardys might be able to jump the man and disarm him. However, they probably could not do it without making some noise and attracting the attention of the rest of the smugglers. Frank and Joe gritted their teeth. They couldn't give up now. As they were trying to decide how to proceed, the situation took an unexpected turn. A door slammed in the distance. Then came the murmur of voices and the sound of advancing footsteps. This nonsense has gone on far enough, a man said angrily. He'll write that note at once, or I'll know the reason why. The boys started. The voice of that was the man who had ordered them to leave the pod during the, the afternoon. That's right, Chief, another boy spoke up. Make him do as you say and get the heat off us until we got all the loot moved. If he doesn't write it, he'll never get out of here alive, the first man promised coldly. Instantly, Frank and Joe thought of the note their mother had received. 
Was the man these smugglers were talking about their father? Or was he someone else? Maybe Jones, who was to be forced to obey them or perhaps lose his life. The speakers went a short distance beyond the door behind which Frank and Joe were standing. Then they heard the click of a switch. A faint beam of yellow light shone beneath the door. The brothers figured there was a corridor beyond, and three or four men had entered a room opening from it. Well, I see you're still here, said the man who had been addressed as Chief. You'll find this an easier place to get into than out of. A weary voice answered him. The tones were so low, the boys pressed closer to the door. But try as they might, they could not distinguish the words. You're a prisoner here, and you'll stay there here until you die unless you write that note. Again, the weary voice spoke, but the tones were so indistinct that the boys could not hear the answer. You won't write it, eh? We'll see what we can do to persuade you. Yeah, let him go hungry for a few days. That'll persuade him, put in one of the other men. This brought a hoarse laugh from his companions. You'll be hungry enough if you don't write that letter, the chief agreed. Are you going to write it? No, the boys barely heard the prisoner answer. The chief said sourly, You've got too much on us. We can't afford to let you go now. If you write that letter, we'll leave you some food so you won't starve. You'll break out eventually, but not in time to do us any harm. Well, what do you say? Want some food? No, there was no reply from the prisoner. Give his arm a little twist suggested one of the smugglers. At this, the Hardy's blood boiled with rage. Their first impulse was to fling open the door and rush to the aid of the person who was being tormented. But then they realized they were helpless against so many men. And their only hope lay in the arrival of the Coast Guard men, but they might come too late. Chief, shall I give this guy the works? One of the smugglers asked. No, the leader answered quickly. None of that rough stuff. We'll do it the easy way. Starvation. I'm giving him one more chance. He can write that note now, or we'll leave him here to starve while we make our getaway. Still, there was no reply. To Frank and Joe's ears came a scraping sound as if a chair was being moved forward. You won't talk, eh? The leader's voice grew ugly. There was a pause of a few seconds, then suddenly he shouted, Write that note, Hardy, or you'll be sorry, just as sure as my name's Snapman. Chapter 14 Captured Joe gave a start. It is dead, he whispered hoarsely. He found the smuggler's hideout. Frank nudged his brother warningly. Not so loud. The boy's worst fears were realized. Their father was not only a prisoner of the smuggler's hideout, but also his life was being threatened. Write that note, Snapman demanded. I won't write it, Fenton Hardy replied in a weak but clear voice. The chief persisted. 
You heard what I said. Right, it'll be left to starve. I'll starve. You'll change your mind in a day or two. You think you're hungry now, but wait until we cut off your food entirely. Then you'll see. You'll be ready to sell your soul for a drop of water or a crumb to eat. I won't write it. Look here, Hardy. We're not asking very much. All we want you to do is write your wife that you're safe and tell her to call off the police and those kids of yours. They're too nosy. Sooner or later, someone is going to trace me here, came Mr. Hardy's faint reply. And when they do, I can tell them enough to send you to prison for the rest of your life. There was a sudden commotion in the room. Two or three of the smugglers began talking at once. You're crazy, shouted Snatman. But there was a hint of uneasiness in his voice. You don't know anything about me. I know enough to have you set up for attempted murder. And you're about to try again. You're too smart, Hardy. That's all the more reason why you're not going to get out of here until we've gone. And if you don't cooperate, you'll never make it. Our next big shipment comes through tonight, and then we're skipping the country. If you write that letter, you'll live. If you don't, it's curtains for you. Frank and Joe were shaken by the dire threats, but they must decide whether to go for help or stay at risk capture and try to rescue their father. You can't scare me, Snatman, the detective said. I have a feeling your time is up. Uh, you're never going to get that big shipment. The detective's voice seemed a little stronger, the boys felt. Snatman laughed. I thought you were smart, but you're playing a losing game. I warn you. And how about your family? Are you doing them a service by being so stubborn? There was silence for a while. Then Fenton Hardy answered slowly, My wife and boys would rather know that I died doing my duty than to have me come back to them as a protector of smugglers and criminals. Oh, you have a very high sense of duty, sneered Snapman. But you'll change your mind. Are you thirsty? There was no reply. Are you hungry? Still no answer. You know you are, and it'll be worse. You'll die of thirst and starvation unless you write that note. I'll never write it. All right, come on, men. We'll leave him to himself for a while and give him time to think about it. Frank squeezed Joe's arm in relief and exhilaration. There was still a chance to save their father. Footsteps echoed as Snapman and the others left the room, walked through the corridor. Finally, the sounds died away and a door slammed. Joe made a move toward the door, but Frank held him back. We better wait a minute, he cautioned. They may have left someone on guard. The boys stood still, listening intently, but there was no further sound from beyond the door. At length, satisfied that his father had indeed been left alone, Frank felt for the knob. Noiselessly, he opened the door about an inch, then peered into the corridor, which was dimly lighted from one overhead bulb. 
There was no sign of a guard. Three doors opened from the corridor. Two on the opposite side from where the brothers were standing and another at the end. The passage was floored with planks and had a beam ceiling like a cellar. Frank and Joe quickly figured where their father was and sped across the planks to the room. They pushed open the door of the almost dark room and peered inside. There was a crude table and several chairs. In one corner stood a small cot. On it lay Fenton Hardy. He was bound hand and foot to the bed and so tightly trussled that he was unable to move more than a few inches in any direction. He was flat on his back, staring up at the ceiling of his prison. On a chair beside the cot was a sheet of paper and a pencil, evidently the materials for the letter Snapman demanded he write. Dad? Frank and Joe cried softly. The detective had not heard the door open, but now he looked at his sons in amazement and relief. You're here, he whispered. Thank Goodness. The boys were shocked at the change in their father's appearance. Normally a rugged-looking man, Fettinardi now was thin and pale. His cheeks were sunken and his eyes listless. We'll have you out of here in a minute, Frank whispered. Hurry, the detective begged. Those demons may be back any minute. Frank pulled out his pocket knife and began to work at the ropes that bound his father. But the knife was not very sharp, and the bonds were thick. Joe discovered that he did not have his knife with him. It probably slipped out of my pocket when we undressed on the Napoli, he said. Mine's gone too, Mr. Hardy told him. Snapman took everything I had in my pockets, including concentrated emergency rations. Do you have anything sweet with you? Joe pulled out the candy bar from his pocket and held it, so Mr. Hardy could take a large bite of the quick energy food. Meanwhile, his eyes roamed over the room in search of something sharp, which he might use to help Frank with the ropes. He saw nothing. Mr. Hardy finished the candy bar bite by bite. Now Joe started to help Frank by trying to untie the knots. But they were tight, and he found it almost impossible to loosen them. Minutes passed. Frank hacked at the ropes, but the dull blade made little progress. Joe worked at the obstinate knots. Fenton Hardy could give no assistance. All was silent. The only sound was the heavy breathing of the boys and the scraping of the knife against the ropes. At last, Frank was able to solve through one of the bonds, and the detective's feet were free. His son pulled the ropes away and began to work on the ones that bound his father's arms. As he reached over with the knife, there came a sound that sent a feeling of terror through the hardies. It was heavy footsteps beyond the corridor door. Someone was coming back. Frank worked desperately with the knife, but the rope still held stubbornly. The dull blade seemed to make almost no impression, but at least a few strands parted. Finally, with Fenton Hardy making a mighty effort and Joe clawing at the rope with his fingers, it snapped. The detective was free. 
but the foot's footfalls of the approaching smuggler came closer. Bam! <laughs> Quick! Frank whispered as he flung the ropes aside. I, I can't. And hurry, Mr. Hardy gasped. Been tied up so long, my feet and legs are numb. But we've got to hurry, Dad, Frank ex said excitedly. See if you didn't stand up. Well, I'll do my best, his father replied as the boys rubbed his legs vigorously to restore full circulation. We must run before those crooks come, Joe said tensely. Benton Hardy got to his feet as hastily as he could. But when he stood up, the detective staggered and would have fallen had Frank not taken his arm. He was so weak from hunger that a wave of dizziness passed over him. He gave his head a quick shake and the feeling passed. All right, let's go, he said, clinging to both boys for support. Three hastened to the door of the room and across the corridor of the cave. As they entered it, Mr. Hardy's knees buckled. In desperation, his sons picked him up. You go on, he whispered. Leave me here. I'm sure all of us can make it, Joe said bravely. They reached the far door, but the delay had been costly. Just as Frank opened it, clicking off his flashlight, the corridor door was flung open and the ceiling light snapped on. Frank and Joe had a confused glimpse of the dark man whom they had seen the pot at that afternoon. Snap! Two rough-looking companions crawled in behind him. What's going on here, Snackman explained, apparently not recognizing the group for a moment. It's the Hardys, one of the other men cried out. Fleeing trio started down the steps, but got no further than the landing. When the smugglers appeared in the stairway and rushed out, Stop! cried Snapman jumping down the last three steps and whipping an automatic from his hip pocket. The place was flooded with light. Snapman drew slowly closer. Frank crouched for a spring, then leapt directly at the smuggler. He struck at the man's wrist, and the revolver threw out of his grasp. It skidded across the landing and clattered down the steps. Frank closed in on the, in on the man. Snapman had been taken by surprise. Before he could defend himself, Frank forced him against the wall. Joe, in the meantime, with a swift uppercut, had keyed one of the other men. And Mr. Hardy, whose strength had partially returned, was battling the third as best he could. But at this moment, the boys saw their father adversity dodge, dodge to the wall and press a button. In an instant, an alarm sounded in the corridor, and within seconds, a new group of Snapman's gang appeared. As some held drawn revolvers, others outpowered the, overpowered the three Hardys. In the face of the guns, father and sons were forced to surrender and return to the room, where Mr. Hardy had been held captive. Within five minutes, Fenton Hardy was bound again to the cot, while Frank and Joe trussed up and unable to move, were tied to two chairs. <laughs> no part 
of this episode may be reproduced without my personal permission. Rail Fan Roberts Reading Railroad is a production of Raccoon Gaming Rails Railroad Productions. And all, all podcast episodes are owned by Raccoon Gaming Rails Railroad Productions.